Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. And we're introducing some new segments called the Real Estate Syndication Show Highlights, where we are bringing you a look back at episodes focused on a specific topic that we believe added a lot of value to you in your syndication journey. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also hit the notification bell so you can continue to know when new shows come out. Have a blessed day. Our guest is Pooja Talati. Thanks for being on the show, Pooja. Thank you for having me. You know, your website, you know, give us some key things that are important, you know, in our business, obviously the syndication business, what do we need to have on that website? What are some maybe mistakes that you see people making, you know, and how they built a website? Sure. So if I can actually take a step back even before the website. So one of the things that we did at Enzo, and this is something that's very common with, you know, some of the bigger Fortune 500 companies is, and actually a lot of people thought that this was a fun exercise for the whole team. So whether you're one person, you know, at the company or you have, you know, four or five team members, you need to actually think and and look back and say, okay, so what am I as a company? You know, what is my personal brand? What do we stand for? And I think if you don't really know that, then it's really hard to actually do all of the marketing elements and figure out, okay, well, what does my website, what should it look like? So you first have to figure out, you know, what is your goal? What is your vision for the company? And what do you stand for? So for us, for example, at Enzo Multifamily, I'll use Enzo as the example is we wanted to separate ourselves from all the other financial institutions where a lot of times people think of financial institutions as a little bit very, very proper, suit and tie, you know, kind of stuffy. And we wanted to be approachable and kind of lighthearted and fun. But at the same time, you know, we're still making money for people, right? So that was something that was really important to us. So we try to focus our branding more on that. And then the other thing you want to do is like your positioning statement and your target consumer. So you have to think about, okay, who are your consumers? Are they the younger generation? Are we talking millennials? Are we talking someone that's older? So you want to make sure that when you're developing all of your marketing materials, you're speaking to that customer or that consumer. The other thing with the target consumer is you want to make sure that you're not targeting everybody. You know, that sounds like a great idea. Well, I don't want to miss out on targeting everybody. But what will happen is you'll start to send mixed messages to folks. And people will respond to things very differently. And you'll start to see that your efforts aren't really working. So it's always good to have like a target bullseye audience. And then you can always have a secondary audience where you know that it'll start to spread to those folks. But it's very important to have something that's very precise and you know exactly who you're targeting and what your messaging will be. And I promise you, it will go a long way. And then it'll just kind of have that ripple effect. So that's kind of just laying the groundwork of things. And that's really how we started to develop the website. And we figured out, okay, we know who our audience is. We know what we stand for. You know, colors and all of that stuff is very important. If you go to our website, you'll notice that it's it's very approachable. It's very clean, very modern, and that was just something that how we wanted to represent ourselves as Enzo. Nice. And then on the website, some of the things that you absolutely have to have, and I think people know this, but I'm just going to reiterate it because maybe you haven't thought about it. It's always good to have an about you section and a story, right? People want to know the story about the company. I get this question all the time. How did you form? You know, tell us like, how did you start? How did you grow? 
have that on there. People can really relate to that. Think of some of your favorite brands outside of real estate. And really, people buy those products because they have some sort of connection. And a connection is key when you're talking about investors in the real estate business. It's always good to have your property list on there. If you're just starting out, you know that'll be sparse. But just remember, it will continue to grow. But that is your credibility. People want to see what you're doing. It'll show you know what markets you're focused in, giving information or FAQs, um, having industry-related news. All of that stuff will build a footprint. People can search for you, have contact information. I would suggest looking at other people's websites and seeing what they have on there. And then you can put together your own website. So do you recommend hiring somebody to build our website? Or do you recommend, you know, when you're starting out to possibly do one yourself? What's your take? Yeah, I mean, if you know how to use WordPress or build a website, I would say go for it. You know, I have experience in marketing, but usually we always outsource that stuff. So what we did was kind of a collaboration. I designed the look and feel of it. And then we have a webmaster that's fantastic in execution. And so then he kind of helped bring all of that to life. So I would say, you know, when you're starting off too, there's a lot of things you have to do. If there are areas that aren't really your expertise, I highly recommend outsourcing it. It'll save you time and you know, let the expert kind of do that. I agree. But by the time I learn how to use WordPress to the point, I mean, I can <laughs> kind of get around a little bit, but you know, correct something, but very little. And by the time I learn how to use it, I probably could have already closed on another property. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like that's the, the main focus, right? Is the real estate part of it and all of these are things to make it happen. And so having a webmaster and also just thinking about the structure for it, they're gonna help you and tell you what's gonna work from a scalability perspective, what can you add on, and you really don't want to duct tape that. Our guest is Joey Kilrain. Thanks for being on the show, Joey. Thank you so much for having me, sir. Why don't we jump into that roadmap a little bit? I want us to have time for that so that you can help the listener kind of walk down that road a little bit, thinking through what they need. And then I'm sure we'll talk about some of the challenges too, as well as we're going through that. Pretty straightforward. I think from a designer perspective, when we are dealing with a what we would call like a basic site design, we're considering ADA compliance. I think a lot of people overlook that and they don't realize how many of your customers may have like dexterity challenges or vision challenges. You really have to consider that stuff. And that points to your corporate colors. So again, if you're a smaller firm, you may not have looked into branding. If you did, great. But if you haven't, try to stay away from like really bright colors or complicated visuals. Again, that usually doesn't bode well with your customers, but not to mention if you have a color palette that is let's say very similar, like darker grays and darker blues, well, chances are they're going to have a problem sort of differentiating link colors and the like. So you may want to set it where the colors for your call to actions are bright and big. Another challenge that I see is that when it comes to messaging, people have like these super long titles for messaging. And you really should boil it down and try to keep it simple because the internet in a lot of ways is like a giant billboard. You get like a flash, you get like 10, 15 seconds. It's almost like you travel down the road, you look up, see that banner and you look back on the road. So elaborate on that a little bit. Where would you see these titles or what part of our website or where? And where should we be thinking about that? Awesome. So obviously, the challenge with that is you have multiple device types. So you have mobile, you have the tablet, and then you have desktop. Now, when you think of your audience, I would think audience first with a real estate. If you're looking for a property, your customers are probably going to be on their phone. Now, they may go to the site later on, but they're probably going to be on their phone. So in that regard, you would probably want to be mobile first. Now, what's great is with analytics, you can determine who and how many people are not only coming to your site, but at what time and what device type. So, but then again, that gets in the analytics part and it's, it's not complicated to do that. 
but getting back to the device type. So if I'm working on my phone, your most important thing is you want to know how much do I have to scroll to get to something actionable? If I have to scroll like one flick or two flicks to get to something actionable, that's probably a bad idea. And if people are coming to your site looking for listings, you should have a big button that says listings here or even an action to let them start seeing what properties you have available right away. Don't make them look for that content. Bring it up to the top. Yeah. How much do I have to scroll to get to something actionable? I think that's a great thought. As a listener, you know, have you looked at your website on your own phone recently or often and thought through what does a new person see or get to when they see it on the phone or the computer? And maybe you could speak to that as well, like phone versus a computer. It seems like so much more is done on the phone now than ever, obviously, before. But how should we be thinking about that? Or are our websites so compatible now that it's more seamless? Yeah, I would say the desktop is where you get your heavy lifting done. If you're doing like a campaign or you're trying to set up like, let's say you want to have an email list of people you want to send things out to, then obviously, yeah, you're going to do it through the desktop. But your customer is probably on the phone. A great example, just recently, the the boss, the wife, we were at uh, Target getting some stuff done. And she immediately pulled out her phone and was uh, flipping through Amazon to see if there was a better deal. Right there. So she's got the product in front of her doing and with the phone at the same time, synonymous. So with that, I would say the same thing is probably going on if people are looking for a property. And if they're in a particular area, I've seen people pull out their phones and like flip through and say, hey, this property is available or I like the area. I get a vibe for it. Obviously, COVID has kind of changed a little bit of that stuff the way they perceive it. But it's very similar where they're going to use your phone in order to check properties. And if they're in the area, yeah, they're going to look at it from there. I think that's a good segue also into just the experience consistency. And maybe you can speak to that. Sure. So experience, where it gets a little tricky with experience is you want to make sure that it's consistent, not only from what they see in their phone, but how they talk to you when they call you, right? When they visually, when they talk to you. So things like your email, branding for your email need to be consistent. What's on your site should be consistent, but also what's happening with social. Do you have a social presence? Are you using Instagram? Are you using Facebook? You're probably going to be on LinkedIn if you're in real estate. But again, all those different voices have to be consistent. And that experience is what they see from not only from the phone, but from the desktop, from when they call you, and even what they see when you post socially. Our guest is Nick Love. Thanks for being on the show, Nick. Hey, thanks, Whitney. I appreciate it. You know, Thank you very much for having me on. Let's jump in though to your ability and your knowledge around, you know, just social media marketing. You know, it's something that, like I said, so many people that are listening are trying to do right now to build their brand and their awareness, you know, just like you've done and are doing and helping others to do as well. You know, get us started though and how you help people do that and break down, you know, let's focus obviously on the, the syndicator or, you know, the operator that's trying to do that, you know, in the real estate business. Obviously, they're trying to raise capital, they're trying to get in front of investors and have that professional brand. So they'll make that connection, right? They'll get that lead and be able to gain that trust in, in an investor. But help us to, to think through that a little bit and how you help these companies to do just that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's definitely an important aspect because you're just as much in the marketing business as you are in the multifamily investment business. That's like part of what I preach all the time on there. That's how you stand out. That's how you find your audience. And I think that's really where the step one comes into is because of the competition and as much people that are really trying to get into multifamily investing or scale up their multifamily investing models. So many people are already doing it. So you have to find a way to either be different through the model or be different with your audience on that side. So that's why I think that having a very, very specific target audience would be your first step on there, whether that's by age group, that's by job type, that's by location, you know, being able to really specify down 
who your target audience is because you can work backwards from there and understand that audience specifically. You know, if that's doctors and you were a doctor before, you know, you're inside the multifamily investing industry, then you know exactly, you know, how a doctor thinks, you know, what they're looking for, where they want to put their money on that side. And then you can work backwards from that to try to teach them, you know, how to invest passively in multifamily and utilize that advantage. So I think that being able to really niche down inside of your target audience more than just somebody that's interested in passive investing or, you know, doesn't have any time, but has a lot of money. Like that's not a target audience. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of skip up first. And so you definitely need to understand where your target audience is and then work backwards from that to be able to put out content or create a digital presence that's centered around that audience specifically to where it really speaks directly to them. So, you know, for example, I was working with a client that was really trying to specify down into small business owners, which, you know, is of course, you know, another subset of niche, you know, he understood, you know, what a small business owners look like, you know, if he should be setting aside money towards investing or building up the business and kind of diversifying on that side. And so you would be able to exploit, you know, those advantages and disadvantages of that certain job type in order to really create a lead magnet or create a piece of content around certain people, or even put a job type inside a specific piece of content that you're making or whatever it may be. So I do think that one of the most powerful things that you can do right now, even if you don't have a digital presence is understanding exactly who your target audience is. And that way, it'll be much easier for you to, you know, create an online presence, you know, through social media. Yeah, I appreciate. I mean, you just hammering that home. I mean, I get the question all the time about the audience or, you know, who their audience should be and things like that. And people are afraid to narrow that down too much. Right. You know, they say, oh, you know, it's going to be it's not going to be broad enough. There's not going to be enough people. Or, and I disagree. Maybe you can help that listener right now that's saying the same thing, you know, where they're fixing to try. They're thinking of their name or whatever it may be, but they're trying to figure out who they're going to target. And they don't want to narrow it down too much. And the people sometimes will come to that conclusion. Oh, you know, I can, you know, I'll just go really broad and go with somebody that does residential real estate investing that wants to diversify and passive income. Well, if you start doing that, then you'll start to realize that there's so many different other multifamily operators that are already targeting that larger audience. And why would they go with you over somebody else? So that's where the specification comes down. Because if you're the number one multifamily operator for doctors, well, then you're a hundred times better off than just being a regular operator, you know, tenfold over. And the reason I say to that too, is like, you know, people will say that, Oh, you know, maybe that's too small of an audience or whatever it might be, which is never the case. But whenever you're talking with family and friends, I mean, that can only be up to a certain extent, there's going to be a glass ceiling, you know, with that. So, you know, you might as well start going with the target audience. Maybe it doesn't work out. It's too small. Then you move on to another one. So there's never going to be a wrong way for you to do it because you're always going to learn things along the way, you know, whether that's through advertising or organic traffic and nothing's going to happen overnight on that side. You have to really, you know, start to build towards that audience and you'll understand it more, you know, with the demographic side and psychographics, which are just as important on there. We hope that you have enjoyed the highlight show today. You can always listen to the full episodes that were featured today by clicking the links in the show notes page in the, in the description box. Let us know in the comments what you thought of this episode, or you can go to lifebridgecapital.com forward slash podcast and click the feedback button. Let us know how we can add more value to you. Thank you and talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time.
Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success. 